on Red Rocks Church. How good is it to be together, meeting physically, gathering online? It's a great honor to be with you if you're meeting physically. Why don't you air five somebody and say, I'm blessed to be sitting next to you. What an honor to be with you, Pastor Sean, Pastor Jill. Uh, you made me pretty emotional. I am, uh, I, I'm sincerely um, emotional to be with you all. It's, um, it's impossible to express how much that Amy and I just love your pastors. If I were you, I would thank God every day that I get to be under such great leadership here at Red Rocks Church. I would seriously thank God. Um, pastors, your integrity, um, your honesty, don't, don't you thank God for someone who leads and just says it like it is and just brings their real self? Um, your leadership is, is world-class. I applaud your marriage, who you are um, as a family. Your church is making such a big difference around the world, your worship. I just go on Spotify and put your worship on and wor work out to your worship. It's amazing. And, uh, and the Red Rock swag is second to none. I mean, if you want to talk about what's important, the Red Rock swag is second to none. In fact, just to show you how much I believe it, a uh, recent trip to uh, Colorado, let me show you some photos. Uh, what I want you to notice here, let's look at another one. You think I'm joking? Oh my gosh, let's look at another one. Let's look at all over the place. I got my Red Rock swag, and I got my bride, Amy, who's with me today. The love of my life, the mother of uh, my six kids, six kids. People say all the time, you must love kids. Nope, I love my wife. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Why do you have so many kids? We were married before there was Netflix. <laughs> and so we had a bunch of kids because <laughs> there's not as much to do, but... It really is an amazing honor to be at um, a church making a difference all around Colorado and Austin and in Belgium. And uh, the God Behind Bars campuses, man, we're thankful for you and your pastor brags on you all the time. And it is a, it's a real honor to, um, to open up God's word on week number one of Kingdom Builders. Uh, we're gonna build the kingdom of God and not our own kingdom. And so uh, my assignment today is a special one and what I want to do is I want to talk to you about the blessings of generosity. And Jesus said it in a way better than any of us could ever say it, but it's recorded in Acts chapter 20, uh, verse 35. Jesus said, it's more blessed. Because some might say more blessed. more blessed. If you're watching online, just type that in the chat. Say it again. What is it? It's more blessed. Say it is. It's more blessed to give than it is to receive. It's, it's more blessed. I like to receive. It's kind of fun to receive. I like whenever I get Red Rock swag. But it's more blessed to actually give and to be a blessing to someone else than it is to receive. We like to say it this way at our church that we'll lead the way with irrational generosity because we truly believe it's more blessed to give than to receive. Um, I'll tell you just a little bit of my um, story of coming to faith in Christ and it has a, um, an important part of giving in the story. Uh, I, in college, I was pretty wild. Were any of you kind of wild in college at all? Yeah. Some of you are like, I'm still wild. <laughs> okay, I know it. Uh, so I was um, having fun kind of sinning. How many of you know sin can be fun? Raise your hands. Yeah. yeah, you see, you guys are the most honest church. I ask a lot of people, like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, if you don't think sin is fun, either you didn't do it right, 
or you're lying, one or the other, right? Because it can be fun until it's not. And I got to the season where it wasn't anymore and it started to catch up with me. I was, um, I played uh, sports in college and I was uh, the president of fraternity. Our fraternity got in a lot of trouble. Um, we had four guys come at grand larceny. And so the school was gonna kick our house off of campus. And since I was the leader, I was trying to salvage it. And so I did something that was a partial public relations move and partially I was just spiritually curious. There was not, to my knowledge, a Christian guy in the fraternity, and I said to a bunch of party guys, we're gonna start a Bible study, partially to save the fraternity, and partially because I was curious. And they all said, like, to bleep, we're gonna start a Bible study, and I said, to bleep, we are. I'm the president, you're gonna be at the bleepin' Bible study. It's gonna be Tuesday night at seven o'clock, and so Tuesday rolled around, and I was walking to my business class when I realized I didn't have a Bible. I'm gonna lead a Bible study, but I didn't have a Bible. So I'm not gonna tell you that I prayed because I don't think I was that spiritual. What I kind of did is I just looked up toward heaven and just kind of thought upwards like, uh, if anybody cares, I don't have a Bible. And I walked into my class, sat through class, got done with my class, walked out of the building, and God is my witness. There was a gentleman in a suit and tie from an organization known as the Gideons, who looked at me and said, young man, would you like a free Bible? And he handed me this Bible, and I looked up to heaven and thought, that's freaking cool! How cool is that? How cool is that? So seven guys turned up for the first Bible study, and I tried to be pastoral like your pastor is. He sounds very pastoral, even though he looks like a jock who could kick your butt. He still sounds pastoral. And I said, turn to the first book in your Bible. And they all turned to Genesis. And I turned to Matthew. And I thought, no wonder it's free. It's not all there, it's just a partial Bible. And we started reading in Matthew 1. Matthew 1's a very bad place to start with a bunch of drunk fraternity guys. If you, so I said, skip to Matthew 2. And we just started reading through the Bible. And every week at the end of our Bible study, we would pray. None of us were Christians. We didn't know how to pray. God is my witness. We would pray things like, you know, God, you know, God, hey, God. Like, God, you know, like, watch over us as we party, God. Keep us safe as we drink and drive, God. We pray for Mitch's girlfriend that she's not pregnant, God. We didn't know any better. We just prayed. And I got so excited reading the Bible that I read all the way through Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. I read to Ephesians chapter two, and suddenly I didn't just read the Bible, the Bible got into me. And I read that you could be saved by the grace of God. And not by, not by works, not by your own human efforts, so that no one could brag, no one could boast. And I went out all by myself, just me and a little Bible and God to a softball field, and I knelt down one person, a lost, angry, incredibly selfish, just not a good person. And I prayed to Jesus and asked him if he was there just to take my life. Didn't even know how to pray, really. And when I stood up, I was a different person, different person. Yeah, the old was gone, and the, the new was there. And um, it's, it's, it's completely transformed who I am. When I think about it, it's pretty emotional to recognize 
that someone gave to an organization known as the Gideons, and someone dressed up and went to a campus one day who gave their time to give out free Bibles. And it was because of a lot of different people who gave, most of all God who gave his own son Jesus, that my life was completely transformed. So if you can imagine this, three decades later, the Gideons heard me tell this story, and they did research, and they went back to find out who was handing out Bibles at the time that I received it at my university, and they found a guy named Mike. Can I show you a picture of Mike? Mike is very most likely the guy who gave me the Bible. And when I told him thank you, he just looked at me and said, well, this is what we do. And then he broke down crying. And it was one of the most moving moments of my life because you could see him just trying to just kind of like, well, this is just what we do. But then he recognized what we do completely changes lives. And in honor of someone who gave so that I could have life, I want to entitle this message, this is what we do. This is what we do. Look at the person next to you say, this is what we do. This is who we are. Hey, hey, we're, we're followers of Jesus. At Red Rocks Church, I got to tell you, this is just what we do. From the beginning of, the, of this church, you've been giving faithfully and generously, and you've just been making heaven more crowded. That's just what you do because of who you are and because of who God is. And so it is my blessing to talk to you about the blessing of generosity. And out of curiosity, how many of you would say that you're, you're, you're kind of generous? Raise up your hands. I, I, I hope that'd be a lot of people. You can type it in online if you want to. Yeah, I, I, wanna, I wanna be generous. What I've come to discover in my journey with God that giving and being generous, they're actually two different things. You can give every now and then, give when you feel prompted, but embracing a culture and a mindset of generosity is very different than just giving every now and then. In fact, when you think about it and you look at uh, our culture and those in Belgium would be maybe perhaps a bit different, but in, in America, most Americans uh, don't feel rich, but we really are. Meaning when you look around, a lot of times you might see somebody who's richer than you and they look rich, but we don't feel rich. Most Americans don't feel rich, and they are, but on the contrary, most Americans think that we're generous, and we're honestly not. Let, let, me, let me try to illustrate this. Uh, if I ask you, are you rich, you'd probably say you're not, but if we looked at people around the world and asked if they thought you're rich, they'd say, heck yes, you're rich. In fact, let me just tell you how rich you are. Some of you are so ridiculously rich that you got in a car today which if you own a car or have access to a car, depending on research, what, what article you read, you would be somewhere between the, the top five and 8% richest people on planet Earth. That's pretty doggone rich. And some of you are so rich that you took your car and drove it across town, past six or seven or eight or 20 restaurants to go to your favorite restaurant, where somebody that you didn't know came up to you and asked you what you would like to eat. And you're so ridiculously rich that that person went back to a team of people in the kitchen who prepared exactly what it is that you wanted and brought it to you on a plate. And then you paid them some money and they took your dirty dishes away and washed them for you. This rich. 
Then some of you drove your car home and came to your house or your, your place of dwelling and you pushed a button to something called a garage and this door magically opened up. And then you took your car into what people around the world would call a house for your car. When many people live in cardboard, they look on and say, you've got a two-car house for your two cars. A few of you are so rich, you've got a three-car garage. You don't even have three cars. You've got two cars and you use the other one for all the junk that won't fit in your house. That's how rich you are. When you get up in the morning, some of you are so rich that you walk into your closet. I mean, you don't, you just don't look in your closet, you walk into it and it's like, it's like it's big as some people's house. And you've got so many clothes, there's like two levels. You've got a lower level and you've got an upper level. And you're so rich, you go through there and you can touch them all and look at them all. And when you're done, you just look at it all and say, I've got nothing to wear. <laughs> That's how rich you are, right? But bottom line is that most of us, we are incredibly blessed and we don't realize it. And then we think we're generous because we do a little bit, but we don't realize that we're falling way short of what God may call us to do. In fact, the average American study shows gives 2.8% of whatever they bring in. If we're average, I'd say 2.8% probably isn't very generous. But the bad news is if you make a lot of money, if you make over $100,000, your percentage actually goes down and you only give 2.6%. Why is it that we can be so incredibly blessed and yet we're not generous as we could be? And the reason, and some of you are going, man, I hate when you go to church and they talk about money. Um, let's just try to work through this for a moment and not just look at the symptom, but let's try to really get into our heart. The reason why a lot of times we don't like it is because we'd like to do more, but we just don't feel like we can. You relate to that? I mean, I, I, I feel tight. I feel tense all the time. And the challenge is that, that we have a scarcity mindset. We always feel like there's not gonna be enough. And I'm gonna show you a cycle, and this is a cycle of, um, of scarcity that many of us live in. I'll just show you the cycle. Here's what tends to happen, is God, God blesses us with something. God, God supplies, and the next thing we do is we consume. In other words, we get it and we spend it. We gotta get the shoes, new iPhones out. You know, we gotta have our Netflix or our Spotify account, or you know, we gotta go shopping, or oh my gosh, the bag was 20% off and I had to get the bag, whatever it is. Um, we consume, and then because we spent everything, then we lack, we consume, we lack, and what that does is it makes us afraid, and we start to feel fear, and then we consume some more, and we find ourselves in this very unhealthy uh, cycle of consumption. God gave us something, but we've consumed everything that he's given us. We have nothing left, and so we feel tight, we feel afraid, and the cycle goes on and on and on. We can't seem to get ahead. We always want to, we, we, we'd like to give more, but we don't feel like we can. Paul teaches us, though, very important principle, and he shows us how to give. If you find yourself waking up one day realizing, I really have been ridiculously blessed, and I really would like to be a blessing to others, the Apostle Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, shows us specifically how we should give. And let me show you a lot of scripture. Can you handle some scripture? Are we okay with God's word in the house today? Let me show you some scripture. 
And I want you just to let your heart be open to what the Spirit of God might do in you to experience a blessing beyond yourself. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 9, starting in verse 7. He said, here's how you give. You must each decide in your heart how much to give. In other words, we're not gonna, nobody's gonna try to pressure you. It's not a guilt thing. Like, you, you decide. And Paul says this, don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. I like that. It's your decision, your decision. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, who's excited about it, who recognizes it's a blessing. God loves it. God doesn't want you to give out of guilt. God loves it when you give cheerfully. And scripture says this, and God will generously provide all you need. Who's thankful for a God who provides? He is our provision. He is our grace. He is our sustainer. And then scripture says, then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As scripture says, they'll share freely and they'll give generously to the poor and their good deeds will be remembered forever. How amazing would it be that if a year from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, someone talked about and bragged about how your generosity impacted their life, made a difference, that your generosity was remembered forever. What do we see in this story? As Paul's telling us how to give, we see that we give generously and God multiplies abundantly. We give generously and God multiplies abundantly. We go on and scripture says, for God is the one who provides. He's the provider. He gives you seed. He gives you something to give. He gives you seed to plant. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide increase, uh, provide and increase your resources and watch what happens. And then he provides and then you'll produce a great harvest of generosity inside of you. God produces it. Yes, you'll be enriched in every single way, not just financially, but in relationships and perhaps in health. You'll be enriched in every way. Why? So you can always be generous. You can always be generous. And when you take your gifts to those who need them, they're gonna kick back and give praise to God in heaven because your generosity made a difference. So what happens? We plant, or another phrase says, we sow and God supplies. I showed you the first cycle that's very destructive. I wanna show you a different cycle. The first one is this, we consume, we lack, we fear. There's another way if instead we put generosity first, we're gonna put God first, we're gonna seek his kingdom first and his righteousness first, and he's gonna add everything unto us. Uh, the first of the day, we're gonna seek God in prayer. The first of the week, we're gonna gather and worship God corporately. The first increase we're gonna to give to God, the first of the year, we're gonna fast, we're gonna put God first. What happens is God supplies, and when we give first, then what does God do? The next thing God does, next slide please, God multiplies. And as God multiplies, what happens? Oh my gosh, we're not afraid, but it builds our faith. And because our faith grows, suddenly we have a new cycle. It's not a cycle of fear. It's not a cycle of lack. It's not a cycle of consumption, but we give. God multiplies. Our faith grows. God gives us everything we need. He gives us more than we need. Suddenly we're being a blessing to others. Lives are being changed. People are thanking God. There are people literally thanking God because of your generosity. So the ministry of Red Rocks goes into God behind bars. 
people behind bars thanking God because of what you do. And the cycle of blessing continues. What do we know? It can be so scary on the front end because we feel like we don't have much. We lack. So we, can, we fear, we consume, we hold on to. What I wanna do is show you what breaks the cycle. If you're taking notes, the good news is this, that tithing breaks the cycle of scarcity and it creates a new cycle of supply. Tithing, it breaks the cycle of scarcity and it creates a new cycle of supply. Uh, I'll try to explain this and then we're gonna kind of dive into it a little bit. Um, what is the tithe? Uh, sometimes people say, I tithe to the church, and that might mean a lot of different things. That doesn't just mean give. Tithe actually comes from an Old Testament Hebrew word, ma'aser, um, and that means a tenth. Scripture teaches us that the first 10%, the first tenth of whatever is increased um, is, is, belongs to God. Now, people say, well, that's the Old Testament. We need to understand that the tithe actually predated the law and in the New Testament, Jesus very, very clearly affirms the tithe. He says, you should do all these other things. You should, uh, we, you should live with justice, he said, and you should also tithe. It predates the law. Jesus affirms it in the New Testament. The very first tenth of what God trusts to us is holy to him, and we return back to him as an act of worship through the local church and the tithe breaks the cycle of scarcity and enters into a new cycle of supply. Let me show you three principles of the tithe. What does the tithe do? Many things of three would be number one. The tithe teaches us to put God first. It's a very practical, tangible, measurable way that gives evidence to the faithfulness in our own hearts and worship of God. It teaches us to put God first. In fact, I like the way the Today's Living Bible translates Deuteronomy 14, 23 that says, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to always got to put God first in your lives. The purpose of it, one of the reasons behind the tithe is a consistent reminder that God is first that this is an act of worship, that God, I wanna remember you. You're my savior, you're my Lord, you're my rock, you're my, you're my redeemer, God. You're, you're my comforter, God. You're, you, you provide for me, God. I trust you and I put you first. Now, I can almost imagine what some of you would be thinking because I remember the first time I heard a message like this, what I was thinking, I was going, I ain't no way. <laughs> Not a 10% extra left. In order to do that, I can remember thinking, in order to, to give God 10%, I'd have to completely rearrange my life. Yep. I'd, I'd have to make some significant changes. Yep. It would take a complete reprioritizing of all my values. Yep. That's part of the purpose of the tithe, to teach us as a reminder that our God is first. He's not last. He's not whenever we get around to him. But because of who he is and what he's done, he's worthy of all of our lives. And so as a reminder of his faithfulness and who he is and where all of our provision comes from, we put him first. Now, you have to understand, it takes faith to give first. Doesn't take faith to give last. It takes an incredible amount of faith just like what God did for us. 
when he gave his first and only son. And when did he give Jesus? Not after he saw what we do, but while we were still sinners, God sent Jesus to give his life. God gave first before he saw how we'd respond. And this is what we do in a reflection of the goodness of God. It takes faith to give first. Tithing, it teaches us. It's a very visible, if you wanna really see what somebody believes, look how they spend their time, look how they treat people, and look, look what they do with their resources. If you wanna see what you really believe about God, look where you put your time. Is he first in your time? Look at how you treat people, even those people that vote differently than you. <laughs> right? Look how you treat people who serve you. And look at what you do with what God trusts you with. It's a great evidence of what you really believe. And tithing is a very tangible reminder. God, you are, you are the provider of all, and I choose to put you first. The first of what you give to me, God, I give you as an act of worship, declaring you're my provider, you're my savior, you're the king, you're the sovereign ruler over all. God, I love you, and it's my honor, not out of guilt or fear of compulsion or manipulation, but out of a true heart of worship, God, I put you first. The tithe teaches us to put God first. The second thing, and this is really fun, the tithe builds our faith in God. It builds our faith in God. If you might say, well, I don't feel real close to God right now. Well, maybe if you start tithing, you're gonna start talking to God a lot more. It, it builds your faith in God. And I love what Malachi says in, in the Old Testament, Malachi chapter three, verse 10 and 11, uh, when we're told to bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, many scholars believe the storehouse is a Old Testament picture of the New Testament church, that this is, this is the place where God's word um, is distributed to people and lives are changed. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. How many know that Pastor Sean delivers us some pretty good food, some spiritual food? How many are thankful for the spiritual food that transforms lives and makes us different? That there may be spiritual food and the only place, and this is amazing, in all of scripture, that God ever allows us to test him is in this one specific area, and God says, test me in this. Test me. If you don't believe me, try it. Just give it a shot. Try it, God says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there won't be room enough for you to store. In other words, Scripture teaches us this, that when we give our first and our best to God, that he blesses the rest. And I've learned in my own life that 90%, if I give the first 10% to him, that 90% with God's blessings somehow goes further than 100% without. It, it builds our faith. I'll, I'll tell you, um, when I gave my first tithe, it was over three decades ago, and I was hearing a message similar to you. The first time I heard a message on the tithe, I shook it off. The second time I heard it, it started to get in my heart. The third time I heard it, I recognized this is probably a place um, where I need to grow in my faith and obedience to God. Um, I, in, back in college, I was a tennis player, and I um, was kind of an entrepreneur. I started a tennis camp and made what was a lot of money for a guy that was 20 years of age or so. Um, and after all summer long, I heard the message. I was like, oh, okay, God, I'm going to trust you at this. And I, I wrote a big check. Some of you don't know what a check is. If you don't know what a check is, you can Google it or ask your grandma. That's how we used to do things, you know. And I wrote this massive big check to give to my little church. 
Uh, and when I did, I was so ridiculously nervous because it was so much to me. Well, I found out it was the exact money they'd been praying for to buy this little um, storage uh, building. And it was a big miracle, like, wow, look what God did. And I went home that day, and Amy can verify the story is completely true. My grandmother, who was kind of a child of the Depression, um, we never knew she had any money. She wasn't generous at all. She said, she called me on that day of my first tithe and said, I can't explain it, and I don't know why, but I feel like I'm supposed to buy you a car. Okay. How cool is that? Not just any car, but a biblical car. She bought me a Honda Accord. <laughs> and all the disciples gathered in one Accord. See what I did there? Bad preacher joke, forgive me, God. I know it's bad. But but here's what was amazing. I had, um, I had money saved up for a car. I was trying to save and pay cash for a car. And instead, I went and bought um, a little house, a little bitty house. I mean, I'm talking a little bitty house. And I put a bunch of my fraternity brothers in it, and they started paying me rent. And I realized they're paying me more than I was making. So I ended up buying a second little house. And by the time I graduated from college, I had four rent houses, which is just crazy stupid. And, and when I went through seminary, that's what paid our way through seminary and helped us survive when we weren't making any kind of salary. And, I can, and it's, built, it's built us into a place today where we're able to do a lot. And I can trace every blessing we have today back to God proving himself through my first tithe and my grandma's generosity. Now, to be super, super clear, well, I want you to understand what I'm not saying is if you tithe, you're gonna get a new car, okay? That's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is that if you put God to the test, God will prove himself faithful. He, he proves himself faithful. He, he is a God who cannot lie. If you don't believe him, you just, you just try it and say, God, this is a big step of faith, but I believe somehow I'm gonna see your provision, your goodness, your grace. It teaches us to put God first, and it also builds our faith along the way. You put God to the test and see what he does um, in the journey. If you go back to um, the little Bible that I received um, from the Gideon, fast forward until I'm leading Life Church one day. Well, whenever apps came out, Apple first released apps, um, we had a 19-year-old kid who designed a very rudimentary app. And just by the grace of God, we took that app to the app store on the first day apps came out. Day number one, we were in the first of the apps. Without even knowing anything, our little crappy app because it was crappy. It was, I mean, we 19-year-old kid built it. We didn't even know what it was. On the first weekend, we had 81,000 people download that app. So that little part-time kid went full-time on Monday, and everyone came to us and told us, um, you should sell that app. 99 cents. That would have been $81,000. And it made complete sense. But in a time of prayer, God spoke to us very clearly and showed me that my life was changed by someone else's generosity who gave me a free Bible. And so we made that decision on that day in the time our church was in the most debt, most debt, and the most financially stressed that our Bible would never be for sale. If you go um, uh, years later, we have been honored now to give the YouVersion Bible app away free to over 450 million people around the world completely for free. And as we gave, let me tell you what happened. We were struggling financially. And I'm telling you, the moment we started giving the YouVersion Bible app away, somehow miraculously, God seemed to multiply it. And suddenly we had more provision and more provision. And within three years, we paid off all of our debt. 
We're a debt-free church today in 36 locations in 11 different states, and I can trace the blessings of God back to a moment of decision of generosity. What I just want to tell you is this, like, if you don't like this message, if you don't want to give, like, please don't. God doesn't want you to. But you may wake up and realize one day that we can lead the way with irrational generosity because as Jesus said, it really is more blessed to give than receive. And when you break the cycle of scarcity and start to live with faith in God, you might see his provision in different ways and you might see his blessings in different ways and suddenly you can make a difference in people's lives like you never ever have before. Because how does God use the tithe? It teaches us to put God first in our lives. It, teach, it builds our faith in God. And if we can just be real practical and you don't mind, number three is the tithe provides for the work of God's church. It provides for the work of God's church. We read that in Malachi 3.10. You bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, the picture of the local church, that there may be food in the house. I'm thankful I'm thankful. I'm thankful from a couple states away from the food coming out of the house in Red Rocks Church. I'm thankful that all over the world, there are people streaming online today from, from places that would never, ever go to church otherwise. I'm thankful because the way you present the gospel is not like every other church. I'm thankful your pastor didn't grow up in church because that gives them the ability to speak to people who don't like church. I'm thankful that your pastor is more imperfect than a lot of people because you can relate to that. I'm a lot like that. I can understand a guy who messes up and doesn't always get it right. And someone who has the courage to say, I went through a really significant time of anxiety and just bring it before. And here's what Jesus has done in my life. I'm thankful for the food that is in this house, coming out of this house, just to brag on the goodness of God. Do you realize? Can I talk to you about what you all have done? As, as someone from the outside, can I brag on the work of God through this great church? Just since COVID, your services have been viewed almost 1.3 million times by people around the world. Your Red Rocks worship, come on, anybody ready for a breakthrough? Anybody ready for a breakthrough? Has been streamed over 50 million times. Our friends, we love you. God behind bars, around 3,500 people sharing in the good news of the gospel, even now, because of your generosity. The, the coronavirus relief fund, you all gave $672,000 above your normal giving. In other words, those of you who gave, you didn't give to the church, you see this? You gave through the church so people could thank God for his work in their lives, impacting people with uh, helping over 200,000 people with food through the Dream Center and supporting inner city health, serving 22,000 people annually, many of them who couldn't receive health care otherwise, shelters and meals through the Denver Rescue Program, sponsoring, listen, thousands of children, little children, who wouldn't eat, um, wouldn't have education, wouldn't have much of a future through Compassion International in Haiti and Rwanda, um, totaling over a million dollars you've given to help children in poverty get out of poverty in Jesus' name. And just since January of this year, not in the history of this great church, but just since January, we've seen 4,195 people surrendered their lives to the goodness and the glory of Jesus Christ. 4,195 
Hey, if I'm watching from home, sitting on a couch, I'm standing up shouting right now, 4,195 people. Four, you can't even, ca you can't get your mind around that. Those aren't numbers, those are moms. Those are dads. Those are teenagers. Those are people who overcome 4,000. I want you to feel your impact. Feel it. I want you to feel it. You can't even comprehend it. Let's count. Let's count right now to 4,195. You ready? Count with me. Come on. Online, count with me. Come on, ready? ready? Let's count. I'm dead serious. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100, 200, 300, 400. Come on, 500. 800, 800, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 4,100, 4,010, 20, 30, 40, 50, Every name has a story, and every story matters to God. One name, just one, one name, Jake, who moved to Austin, broken, desperate, hurting, afraid, feeling hollow is what he said. And somebody like you invited him to a campus paid for by somebody like you in Austin, Texas. And he heard the power of the gospel. There was spiritual food in the house. And Jake said, yes, I want to become a follower of Jesus. Life transformed. Here he is getting baptized, worshiping the goodness of God. And I want you to know that's one story. And there's 4,194 other ones with different names and different stories of people who are praising God because you gave. And the good news is, there's your story. There's your story. I'm not sure what it is, but some of you, you got free from something. You're overcoming your addiction to pornography. You got a better marriage. Your kids are growing up in the church and they're not perfect but you saw them lift up their hands the other day to worship God. You're reading your Bible together. You've got peace for the first time in a long time. You're dealing with guilt of something, some shame that you grew up with, and now you feel like that's been broken by the grace of Jesus in your life. You found freedom, you find healing, you've got hope in your life. You've got friends, you've got a family, you've got a spiritual family because somebody else gave. Who is God? He's the greatest giver of all time. For God so loved the world that he, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave first, he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but have eternal life. Because of what he did for us, we love to do it for others. And I wanna put the cycle up there one more time, if we can just look at it again. Uh, many of you are stuck on the left right now. This is where you are. God's blessed you, you're, you're, you're actually ridiculously blessed. Baby, you drink $4 coffee. You got $100 shoes on your feet. You're ridiculously blessed, but you've been consuming first and therefore you feel like you lack and then you're afraid and the cycle goes on and on and on. But what I'm gonna invite you to do 
if the Spirit of God prompts you. If He doesn't, don't. But if He does, I'm going to invite you to give first. Put God first. Put God first. And then you watch. Somehow God will prove His faithfulness. And He'll multiply. And you're going to get closer to God than you ever have been before. You're going to make a difference in, in lives like you never have before. And then the cycle's going to continue and you're going to continue to make a difference. We're going to give. God's going to multiply. He's going to build our faith. And we're going to give some more. This, this is what we do. Just say that aloud. This is what we do. This is what we do. This is, this is what we do as followers of Christ. We've been so blessed. As we've been freely forgiven, what do we do? We freely forgive others. We give what's been given to us. As our lives have been changed by the grace of Jesus, we tell others about him. As God has lovingly blessed us, we bless others. This is just what we do. My question for you is this. This is what we do. My question for you is this. This is what we do. My question for you is this. This is what we do. Are you a part of the we? Are you a part of the we? Because if you're a part of the we, you know it's way more blessed to give than to receive. Why do you, why do, you do this? Why do you give like crazy? Why do you, why do you think that Pastor Sean, it, it gives so much away, and Pastor Jill gives so much away into the community? Why, why do you think this church is so ridiculously generous, helping hospitals and helping feed the hungry? Because we've been so blessed by the goodness of God that we couldn't do otherwise. And so today, um, it's with no agenda. I'm just a dude from the outside. His life's been changed by Jesus, by someone who gave so I could receive a free Bible. And now I, I, I have to give back. It's a joy to give back. I want to give back. And I want you to know my life has been blessed by your ministry. My life has been blessed by your pastor's friendship. I believe in their integrity and their passion for Jesus with all of my heart. And I believe that the work of God through Red Rock Church is just getting started. God's using you to make heaven more crowded every single day. And if God prompts your heart and you give, what I'm telling you right now is there are people, there are people around the world that will thank God because their lives will be changed in the same way that yours has. So Father, today we ask that um, you would continue to work in our hearts. Continue to work. Holy Spirit, speak to us and move. God, we don't, we don't want to be blessed and not be generous. We recognize as we've been blessed, God, we want to be a blessing. We want to be faithful. We want to honor you. At um, all of our churches with nobody looking around, those of you even at home online, if you would just say, I want God to even stretch my faith to be more generous, would you just lift up your hands right now? You can even type it in the chat. Make me more generous. Father, thank you for an amazingly generous church. Stretch our faith that we could be even more generous, honoring you, God, as you've given so much for us. As you're just worshiping right now, wherever you're watching, if you're already a tither, thank God for you. You know the faithfulness of God. You know it. I've never met a tither who doesn't know the faithfulness of God. The good news is you have the opportunity to give to the, the kingdom builder's offering, not building our kingdom, but building the kingdom of God. And you might give a gift like you've never given before. God, speak to us about what we would give. Help us to hear from you. If you're not, a, you're not tithing yet, well, guess what? The best place to start today is to say, I want to break the cycle of scarcity. God, I'm, I'm going to put you to the test. It may be scary. It takes faith to give first. But God, I'm going to choose to worship you. 
Many of you today, you may give your very first tithe. And on the other side, I pray that you get to know God more intimately and your faith grows in His goodness as you're a blessing to so many others. As you keep praying today without those looking around, some of you may say, you know what, I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm not even sure where I stand with God right now. If we just sat down across from each other and I maybe ask you, you know, how are you with God? You might say, well, you know, I grew up in church, but I don't really know where I stand. Or you might not even be like a religious person at all, but there's, there's something that's drawing you to God right now. Let me just tell you, that's His grace, that's His goodness, that's His loving kindness. There may be some resistance on your inside saying, but I got to clean up my life first and I, I'm not ready and I got too much of a, of a mess. You just come to Jesus exactly as you are. Let me just tell you about the goodness of God. God loves you so much. What did he do? He gave his one and only son, Jesus. He gave Jesus. God gave first. God gave Jesus first. That whosoever, this includes you, who believes in him, you wouldn't perish but you would have eternal life. Who is Jesus? He is the sinless, perfect Son of God who chose to be around imperfect people like us, loved us where we were, but didn't leave us there. When you call on the name of Jesus, He hears your prayers. He forgives your sins. He makes you brand new. In the same way I knelt down one person and stood up someone different, there are those of you watching today, you're about to be different by the grace of God wherever you're watching. Those who say, I need His grace, I need His forgiveness today. I step away from my old life. I give my life to Jesus. Jesus, I surrender to you. That's your prayer. Just lift your hands high now or click in the chat. Just click right there online. Say, I'm giving my life to Jesus. And as we have tons of people around the world, can we just give a little praise to God right now saying, welcome, we welcome, we welcome, we welcome you. And if you would, just wherever you're watching, join your faith with mine and pray aloud with those around you. Just ever, you can pray this from wherever you're watching. Pray out loud, pray. Heavenly Father, pray it with me. Pray, Heavenly Father, forgive my sins. Jesus, save me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you as you've blessed me, God. Help me bless others because my life is not my own. I give it all to you. Thank you for new life. You have all of mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Could somebody at Red Rush give our God praise, lift up his name. Pastor Sean, help me out. As we stand up to our feet today, we're gonna to worship God for his goodness, for his glory. Give him praise as you lift up the name that is above every name.